Until recently, the bride, 24, worked as an account supervisor at Ogilvy and Mather, 24. Okay, honey, no more reading aloud. I love how they say, until recently, the bride. Yeah, meaning she quit her job as soon as she found her soulmate slash investment banker. It's so retro. Okay, I've got a big rock on my finger. Now I can stop pretending to care about my career. <laughs> Welcome back to the Miranda's Pod, everyone. Yes, it is season three, episode three. We're doing this kind of differently this time. I feel like we've done a couple different ways of recording the past couple episodes. And this time, we're doing it without Squadcast. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the last two, we didn't use Squadcast either. But we were doing, um, what was it called? Watch Party? Live party? Yeah, we were doing like live watch on Teleparty. Um, so this episode is not going to be a live watch. Um, we're actually just going to review it like normal. You know, we're going to switch things up. Sarah and I wanted to talk about, or actually I did. I want to talk about Squid Games. And, um, Sarah told me she binged it. I had seen it like about a month ago pop up on my Netflix and I thought it was very peculiar. And once Sarah said she binged it in a day, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I watched it are you disturbed i feel a lot of things and that's why i need i wanted to talk to sarah like completely cold reading like we haven't even talked about it yet no because it how many manola blonics are you giving it i can't even rate it it's like so okay so, okay first of all listeners if you haven't watched it and you want to watch it fast forward a little bit like let's say fast forward a few minutes into the pod because we wanted to actually talk about this show before going into Sex and City. Um, it is by far the most, um, okay. This is coming from someone who like loves horror movies and scary movies. And I like gory shit. This was the most disturbing programming, if you will, I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I think part yeah. particularly the first first or second episode when the shootings happened, that was, I, I sat there with my mouth just absolutely agape because it was, I was so shocked by what was happening. It was so heart-wrenching to, I, I don't even know how to describe it, to be honest. Um, just like general cold reading, one, I can't believe this is on Netflix, Two, it worries me that there aren't serious parental controls on this kind of media. Um, I think this should belongs on something like HBO or HBO Max where they're like, you know, less people are subscribed. Like this, anyone on Netflix can just press play. This is advertised to anyone. I think we as a world have become so desensitized that... Yeah. Like we like that, like maybe this isn't disturbing for some people. I think that we, this is the most violence I've ever seen. Like, and I've seen like Saw and Hostel and like all those movies. And like, I've not seen Human Centipede, but I would imagine this is on like that same level. Cinematically, um, it was disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it was. Oh, sorry, I want to hear what you think, because um, basically I 
there was a, there was constantly a twist, which I really appreciated. Just constant, constant. You, there was no way to keep up with it. But it was also just so graphic, the, the deaths that are and murders and the shooting and the killing that was going involved. It was right served on a plate right in front of you. I, I'm glad that you mentioned the violence aspect. I was, I've, I've talked to my mom extensively about what is shown on TV and what, how we become so desensitized to violence, to like, I hate saying this, but like gratuitous porn, pornographic sex. And it becomes yeah. this thing where it can't, it has to get worse and, wor- and worse and more graphic yes. in order to elicit a reaction because we're so desensitized. Now, that being said, it was entertaining. And yes, right. Netflix has done, I think, I'm pretty sure they're getting sued by some server because they had so many people watching it. This show is so unbelievably popular. That means hundreds it's of millions compelling. of- It's compelling. It's compelling. So there's something there. Why are we so compelled to watch this? What about it? Is it that it's gory? Is it that it's really wonderfully told? Is it good? I, I don't know exactly why it's so compelling, but it is. I At first, I thought it was a reality TV show, um, so I didn't watch it for quite a bit. And then I only started watching it when people started talking about it online. Yeah. So I think there's a viral aspect to it that yes. there's a level of it being viral and it's difficult to, to dissertain if it's because it's high quality or good or not or just because people are talking about it. But so a couple of things that are going through my mind. From an entertainment standpoint, it was very entertaining. I binged it. I enjoyed watching it. I did not like how it was dubbed. I thought it was Mm-mm. really ridiculous. It was dubbed, Sarah. I, yeah. I, the exact same note that I have. Sorry, just to interject because like I do voiceover on the side. And so I've looked, I've done some like um, auditions for dubbing and it's, it's a whole other world within voiceover. And it was like, I thought, yeah, I thought it was pretty poorly dubbed. So my question for you is, I'm curious, were the voiceover actors Korean Americans, Americans who are fluent in Korean, Koreans who are flu- who are fluent in English, or were they just English speakers who did not speak Korean? I think that's why, because they it sounded so weird. I don't know how to describe why it sounded weird. I just think that they didn't have a good selection of voices. Like, I just don't think they picked the right voices i think maybe the protagonist his his voice was okay but i also think that some of the acting was like a lot of overacting compared to the Are like talking about the, faces? the woman the the woman from the rural town with the curly hair yeah exactly so exactly. okay interesting there's been a lot of videos online about the english dubbed version not doing that character justice. So a lot of the lines, when you hear them in Korean, are A, the wording is different, and B, how it's delivered is different. So that character, I actually had a little bit more empathy when I was watching some things about her character. But the acting was just so insane to me. I don't think a good yeah. a good voiceover actor was going to save that. But I, yeah, so I had to get over the hump of the dubbed English part of it first. Then I got into the show. Cinematically, I thought it was really interesting and cool. Uh, It's a great show. 
visually and like aesthetically speaking it like or even like plot wise I would say it was like a weird hybrid of like Hunger Games Willy Wonka <laughs> and Black Mirror it was like this yeah. weird conflation of all these different like dystopic type of themed um movies what was the shows? saddest part to you the sad that's a good question so Basically, the every time I press play to watch this show, I just, in my mind, the only way I could describe this show is, like, it's your literal nightmare, right? Like, every, you know, like, when you wake up and you're like, that was, like, a fucked up dream. Like, that's kind of how it feels, is that, like, it's, like, how did all these things come together? How did all these people come to play this game? Who created this game? Like, we still don't have, like, a lot of answers even after watching it. And... The most fucked up part, God, you know. Come on. Had it, to be the marbles. Well, do you think it was him duping? Oh, oh, just all of them having to kill their partner? Oh, you mean yeah. The, that they chose as their teammate? Oh, yeah. The the uh, Indian or Pakistani guy who, or Bangladeshi, I don't know. Yes. He, He's when he, know, yeah. when he found the rocks and he realized that yes. he had been betrayed and cheated, cheated, yeah. and then the the girl who said it's been an honor to play with you or whatever. That I thought that scene was just really very, very, very sad. And then that I was mean, heart wrenching. And you feel yeah. really bad for the old man. And then at the end, I look back in retrospect and realize, whatever. I didn't mean like to a, feel bad, but yeah, right. Because like I was, so I finished the last episode last night. I was like, kind of like, I was just so tired when finishing it. So I didn't fully understand the ending. It was like. Basically, we found out there was like one more face we didn't see out of the VIPs. And it was we didn't know who was the guy like running this thing. And um, we found out that um, the really old man who was playing in the games, he was the one that put on the games. And, you know, he decided not to watch the final games because he realized he had more fun playing the games and that the main character, the protagonist, like, was, like, I guess kind enough to, like, make him feel included and have fun. Yeah. But that just seems so bullshit to me. I mean, I, I know it's a I movie know. or show, but that's bullshit. Okay, I'm were you sorry. shocked like, at the end? How much fucking fun was it? Was I shocked at the end when he... When the old guy was there alive? Oh, yeah, when he was there alive. Yeah, I was Talk about a at twist. That. I know, and it's, like, right when you thought all the twists were over. I mean, I kind of sniffed out the twist of the, you know, the the game master being, like, the brother of the yes. police guy. Yes, We I think we all kind of sniffed that out pretty early on, that, like, oh, who, where's his brother? Um, but um, I think a big twist was also him dyeing his hair that bright red color. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the biggest plot twist. <laughs> Are you a K-pop star? I don't know what yeah. is going on. I don't know. But also, like, um, I think I, I think maybe another sad part was actually the first episode, which was when they're doing the red light, green light. And first of all, there's that creepy doll that's like, green light, red light. And you see, like, the first person get shot. And you think, okay, holy fuck, what just happened? This is so sinister. And then you're like, okay, well, now everyone knows what's up, so they're going to, like, not fall. But then you just see all these people being, like, they panic. blown to smithereens. Yeah. And panicking. And, and I think 
I mean, if in my mind, I think that the most the reason why this thing went viral is I think that the show really tapped into this anguish that we and human suffering that we all experience. I mean, maybe that's cliche of me to say, but uh, for me, the only reason why I binged this show single handedly is because I was so anxious watching it. And I just wanted to get it over with. Oh my God. I, that is the only reason why I kept binging. And Dave was like, oh my God, oh my God, can we please take a break? And I was like, I just need to get this shit over with. I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> this is like so hard to watch. Oh, you had an mo- emotional roller coaster with this show. I was, that's why I was like, can we please talk about this on the podcast? Because <laughs> I'm freaking I, out over here. It's, um, I'm trying to think. Did your of, mom watch the show? I no, I don't think so. But we've talked about she doesn't like. I didn't grow up. Neither of my parents like gory or violent movies. Yeah, I don't know if a mine. lot of parents our age who do. I Maybe think because we're in a they didn't world. grow up yeah. with that, and I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. are our kids going to grow up watching stuff like that and be unfazed by it and not shocked? I, my mom wouldn't enjoy watching that. No, I think my mom would, like, cry if she assaults something like and And honestly, I felt like, oh, my God, like, I'm watching this right now. And I think, like, another thing that's really interesting about it is, which you were mentioning earlier, that it, it did feel like, oh, I couldn't tell if, this, if it was a reality show or if it was a story about a reality show. And it is very, like, self-referential in that way, right? Like, where you're not really sure if it's just another reality show or if it's a story about one. And just in general, like, us, like how blurred the lines are right now, especially with, like, social media and other kinds of media, where it's, like, what's real, what's not, like, and... um also just how vivid and explicit, you know, the, the killings were and um, how that did feel like real. And I don't know, it was for me, it was, it was really interesting, really compelling. Um, I'd probably give it five Manolo Blahniks. <laughs> um, I just was also a little bit um, kind of disturbed. A, I was disturbed because um Aside from, like, the subject matter, like, I think that there are going to be so so many other copycats of, you know, we're in the age of content right now, and I think there are just going to be so many other co- copycats that are going to try to do that. But I think that the person who wrote this, who I think was a woman, right? Oh, I don't know. Who wrote this. Um, I think that this is, like, kind of a masterpiece in a weird way, and I just don't think it's – I think it was so thought – thought out and I just um there's just so many themes going on as also as far as class goes as far as debt goes as far as capitalism goes as far as like you know billionaire class goes yeah um what we define as entertainment what we're willing to do how we view debt and um yeah just really I know I'm waiting to read an amazing long form New Yorker article on it. I need somebody who can articulate all of those things you just mentioned in this poetic narrative because totally there is so much to analyze. And I think this particularly about the debt and class and 
people who have to suffer and people who can just purely be entertained by suffering in which so many people, including me, kind of exist in that class of people, right? In which we're, we're just like viewers and watchers where there are other people in the world and in our own country who suffer greatly. And we have the privilege of just like watching through our phones. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I, I need somebody who can articulate everything about this yeah. show. And I think, I think there'll be a good review in the New Yorker yeah. about it. I hope maybe there I, already is one. I, I think New York mag or the New Yorker or vice, like one of those that I follow on Instagram, I think they did a piece that was, they did a piece about squid games, but it was mostly about the like viralness of it all. And interesting. Like, because it was, it's, and also, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think it's the most watched show on Netflix ever. What? See, that's funny because there's so many people I know who haven't watched it, but at the same time, it hasn't been out for long. Maybe it's so the most. It kind of I don't know what its thing is. It, I, the most like in a short viewed, in a short period, period of time. I, yeah, I don't exactly know. Yeah. Okay, I think the real question is. How many Squid Game <laughs> Halloween costumes will we see in the next in two weeks? Um, Those pink so suits funny. are going to be everywhere. The pink suits are going to be everywhere, but it's funny because like it's very similar to Money Heist, which is also another thing, yes. which is like the re- which is also another popular Halloween costume. And I kind of wondered if there was some sort of kind of um, like weird homage to that because they have the have you watched Money uh, you Heist? Know, they have the, yeah. Oh, yeah. It had, they have the... I it's great. First two seasons are great. They have the rifles. They're in the red suits. They have the masks on. And it's also like another dubbed show. So I guess maybe that's like why um, it felt really familiar or like similar. Um, but <laughs> maybe this is a fucked up thing to ask. But if Charlotte, Samantha, Carrie, and Miranda were in the Squid Games, how would that pan out? Oh, my Just, gosh. <laughs> if we're doing, if we were to do a collab between SATC and okay, who's the SG? F- let's look at the games, the running game. Who's out first? <laughs> Red light, green light. Well, I feel like Carrie Bradshaw, aka SJP, is like very like nimble on her feet. So she also has good. the debt. I think she would be there. <laughs> Financially, she's on par with everybody else. So yes, so she would be there. I think that um, Samantha would like, you know, after signing up, would probably like fall on her own sword like right away and just be like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, just like, I I think Miranda or Charlotte might go through it. I mean, I I know I'm biased with Miranda, but I I think she could, she could, she could do it. I, I think Miranda would probably try to persevere and she'd be the one that would also be like looking at all the stipulations and like clauses in the thing that they signed because she's a lawyer. And I think I think Charlotte would be the one that like dips out and is like, no, I'm not going to do this. This doesn't seem right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's really true. Um, I would love to see. Did you see the Toy Story remake of it i think it was on high snobbity or whatever highs whatever it is that oh that squid games yeah the, it was the toy oh story God, characters no, it's, it's, it. it's quite good it's really funny the red light green light <laughs> um but yeah i think carrie would just be demolished yeah i think that she um 
would get through red light, green light, but then like the honeycomb one, wasn't that the next one? Yes, it was honeycomb, and then it was the tug of war, and then it was marbles. I think that just, Carrie wouldn't get far because she would need like a cigarette break, like so bad. <laughs> just like the, the lady in the bathroom smuggling the cigarettes in. In um, this episode, anyway, I don't that, think I yeah. saw her smoke in this episode. <laughs> no, wait, did she? Maybe she did. Maybe she did smoke. I don't know. I like hey, tracking that's her smoking. A really f- that's a really funny tracker, actually. <laughs> yeah, because it eventually stops and she doesn't smoke. Um, and I actually was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about Sex in the City and smoking. And I'm reading yeah. this book about addiction right now. I really like Quit Lit, just like memoirs about people who mm-hmm. have an addiction. They quit. I think those are really interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. talking about- Send the, them to me. It sounds cool. Oh, yeah. The romantic- the, how we have romanticized and how cigarettes and drinking in particular and how cigarettes were marketed to women as this very empowering vice and this empowering thing, like be just like men, smoke a cigarette, whatever. And it's really interesting that they had Carrie Bradshaw smoke. And I'm sure at the time in the 90s, I mean, in the 90s, there was the truth campaign. Like there were things, I believe at that time, you know, smoking was labeled bad in like the 70s, right? Like it was people, there was a decline in smoking and I'm really surprised that they had her smoke. I don't think we've talked about that before. Yeah, well, there is the, um, I was just Googling, there's the um, Edward Bernays, which is the, he was like the PR, pretty much the guy who invented PR. Yeah. He's called the father of public relations and he's like related to Freud too, which kind of says it all. But he was the one from, like, a documentary that I watched that pretty much put the cigarettes in, like, a bunch of women's hands and, like, in the 1920s and had them, like, walking through, like, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. On Madison, Madison Ave. Yeah, and basically, like, planted that. And they had, like, their short hair and It was like a flash mob of women with cigarettes empowering, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, and, and how that was... And, and also how interesting that time was in general for women to want to feel like liberated however they could and how the longevity of that. I don't know. I think that's it's really interesting how long that's really um, prevailed, I guess. Like my question now is you rarely see characters on TV smoking cigarettes. It's always seen as a flaw. It's not considered a sexy personality trait. And I don't know if it was considered sexy in this show, because I know her friends give her shit about it. It's really a vice, and she does it with Big. Big and her, they both smoke. I grew up, my parents were like, smoking is terrible. My dad is really sensitive to smoke. I, whatever, it's terrible. But then in college, I was like, smoking was fucking cool. I don't know. There's a level of coolness with cigarettes that I think Carrie buys into. It's an oral fixation. Yeah. It's an oral fixation for a reason. It definitely is that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely that cliche, which is like, okay, if you aren't allowed to do it, you want to do it more. Yeah. You know? And, um... Like, I think it's, I don't know, I think you don't really see it on TV anymore, because not to be, like, get political or whatever, but, like, we are in, like, we are, like, living in, like, 
pretty like canceled culture type of environment and like cigarettes are just super taboo at this point like I mean unless you're like maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong I feel like I, I feel like you're just not like younger kids like don't smoke cigarettes like they're Kids smoke jewels. There's kids who've never even tried a cigarette and who are addicted to their jewel. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so I think yeah. it might be a different time. Like, I don't know. And it's not to shame anybody who does smoke because I know that it's really difficult to quit. It's 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 an it's nicotine is highly addictive. I from the lens of Carrie Bradshaw, I we haven't really talked about it and I she smokes in her apartment, which is so insane to me. That's disgusting. How did Aiden, like, I know we're getting into season four here, season three, <laughs> but what? You know, how did he even operate in that apartment that people, smokers' apartments smell like shit? It's disgusting. Like, smoking yep, smells so all, fucking bad. And it gets into, yeah, all your clothing and the upholstery and... <sighs> You And it's also, like, I was talking to someone about this the other day where it's, like, if you want to, like, sell things on Craigslist or eBay, like, a lot of, like, you need to kind of list if it came from a smoker home or not. Um, it's, like, stuff yeah, in the thrift store you can smell. I'm, like, or old things. Like, people used to smoke indoors all the time, and it smelled, smells like shit. It smells disgusting. But also, also, I feel like... I feel like in the, okay, I honestly don't know this stat at all, but I feel like in the late 80s, early 90s, that's when, like, there was more kind of campaigning to um, talk about the health risks of smoking, whereas before, like, there wasn't any of that. And, like, we actually found out, like, my granddad on my dad's side smoked, like, a chimney every single day. And he, they would try to go on vacation. And when they went on vacation, he was like, okay, I'm going to quit. This is the time to quit. And then he would relapse immediately. And he died of pancreatic cancer. And now they're thinking, oh, that was probably it. Yeah. Which is like crazy. Now that seems kind of obvious. Like, you know, that there's obviously so much risk <laughs> involved. Yeah. And, but I think, um, I think that it, it's pr probably when this was filmed, like, it still wasn't really taken seriously, the health risks. No, and I, mean, I, I think know. characters on shows, you'd always you'd see detectives smoking on shows. It's seen as right. this like thing you do and it's placed so perfectly in moments of stress or, or contemplation. And so house cigarettes and it's usually social, people are out. And so I, I would love to look back at how smoking is shown in TV shows during that time. And I'm sure it wasn't oh my weird God. in Sex and the City, but now it, it would be kind of out of place. But, should, but also yeah. Carrie's like into fashion. She's a fashionista and like, a lot of, you know, smokers in that time were smoking to curb their appetite. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it comes as no surprise. But at the same time, it is kind of, yeah, it is kind of like, you do kind of wonder, like, one, like, would they have a protagonist like this smoke like that in a show like this? I mean, maybe, maybe not. No. But also, like, in the Carrie Diaries was... Was the younger Carrie smoking? I'm so curious. I don't think so because I think that show was like super advertised young toward, toward teens. I mean, there must be regulations about smoking oh, and advertisements smart. towards kids. Or at least you'd hope there are. You'd hope. I mean, then again, there's Squid Game, so who knows? <laughs> you know, but 
Oh my gosh. Exactly. Um, okay. So I know we've talked about we- squid games and smoking, which I know everyone is here for those topics, but <laughs> see, we have, we'll do uh season three, episode three attack of the five, five, 10 woman, five foot tall woman, whatever. Uh, Five foot ten woman. Five yeah. foot ten woman. And so in this episode, we have Carrie and all the girls, minus Samantha, facing some deep insecurities. And it's manifests in some different ways. Carrie sees the wedding announcement from Big and Natasha, and that puts her into a little bit of a tailspin or a major tailspin with a lot of <laughs> self-doubt and low self-esteem. With uh, truly embodying, you know, comparison as a thief of joy. She's comparing herself to Natasha and she goes to great extreme lengths to prove herself in the eyes of this woman that she's projecting all of her insecurities upon. Miranda hires Magda. This is the first Magda appearance of the series. Magda (laughs) is her sweet, religious Ukrainian uh, housekeeper, a uh, cleaning lady, and they come to odds uh, uh, over Miranda's single habits, just her, you know, her coffee drinking, her not making pies, her vibrator condom drawer. Um, her modern woman. Her modern womanness. Um, but it's it's kind of a cute interaction at the end. And Charlotte is insecure about her body in this episode and comes to you know, some sense of, of self-acceptance at the end. And then Samantha, I, I feel so bad for Kim Cattrall. She has just one of those silly plot points here where yeah. she basically physically harass, she does, she, not, she physically oh harasses a masseuse and then explains it, well, I thought he was going to go down on me. It was not a good look for Samantha this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, not not great. He, he immediately joined the Me Too movement. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's true. So my um, initial kind of reaction, aside from like them referencing kind of, okay, so there, there are two themes, I guess, that I really kind of, have been thinking about after watching this episode, which is one, probably the more obvious one, which is like the modern woman versus the traditional woman and, you know, following more of the traditional roles, traditional kind of marriage and maybe notes of submissiveness. And, um, and, um, I think the other theme that I just, for me was the whole episode was, this was not a very woman-supporting woman episode. No. And it was also not a very woman-supporting woman kind of time. I think that in the past five or so years, we've been talking about women-supporting women. We've been talking more about the ways in which the patriarchy, shall we say, has, like, pit women against women in many ways. And... um I wanted to know kind of like what your thoughts were about that as far as this episode goes. So I think the two characters who that plot is really 
magnified is Charlotte comparing herself with her body. So the physicalness of competitiveness with beauty and how we look, comparing ourselves to other women. And then by doing that, feeling bad about ourselves, which then makes us want to change ourselves. And it's all just this horrible cycle that's been kind of thrust upon women and then women engage in. And then the other plot is obviously Carrie comparing herself to Natasha and this very competitive nature of dating and marriage and it's mm-hmm. seen in the first um the first part of the episode when the girls are talking about the marriage section and they're kind of shitting on this woman who's marrying oh it must be a third and saying she's probably just an investment banker so they're they're critiquing women who are making these traditional choices of marriage what whatever they end up seeing the marriage announcements for big and she automatically starts shitting on Natasha it's, it's fine, all right? It's fine. I was prepared for this, guys. He, he, they had an engagement party at the plaza. But sometimes engagements break off. This one didn't, let's move on. I just don't understand why their wedding gets to be like a short story. Why not just an announcement? I mean, what's next, Big and Natasha the movie? It's fluff, it's PR. Anybody could be the story. Anybody who's getting married. See, this is what I hate about the Sunday Times. This and all the country houses I can't afford. Now, it's familiar. What she's doing, yes. I get it. It makes sense. We've I do all it. done it. You do I it. I do it. This is not, I'm not critiquing that. I think what we're looking at is the root of where that comes from. And it comes from deep competitiveness, deep insecurity, and the belief that if someone has something, you must not have it. Like that That if someone has, you you have not. And you, you carry... Ex- perfectly says this when she's like, it's not about him. It's her, it's her, it's her. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that scene was really heartbreaking and it speaks yeah. to Sarah Jessica Parker. She's an excellent actress. I mean, she really yes. is so talented. And she says, you know, she's shiny hair, you know, Ralph Lauren, Vera Wang, and I'm the sex columnist next to the ad for penile implants. And <laughs> I wrote down that quote. That it, was great. It Your Wang style section, shiny hair. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. And who has not felt like that before where yes. you look at another woman and you look at her and you look at her body or her hair, her style, her job, her partner, whatever her it job. is. Yeah. Right. And you where think she like lives. you yeah. are so shiny and perfect and I am a fucking mess and I am so less than you. And I don't even know you, but I'm less than you. And yeah, I have struggled with that so much in my life because I'm highly competitive and I'm, I have deep seated insecurities <laughs> and it's really hard to, to deal with those internal monologue of I'm not enough because I'm comparing myself to somebody who I believe is. And yeah. most people are feeling kind of the same way too. What I wouldn't give for a working fireplace. He wasn't the right man for you. I know that. I know. It's not him. It's the whole wedding. And it's her. It's her. Her. You know, she's just... You know, she's shiny hair, style section, Vera Wang, and I'm... You know, the sex column they run next to ads for penile implants. Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny that you brought up that quote where, you know, Carrie's saying, I've, sh- you know, she's the shiny hair. She's in the style section. She's wearing Vera Wang and I'm the sex column. 
next to that, next to this penile implants. And like my note is literally like an arrow and it says, I felt that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think that she brought up like this episode brings up something that feels really real, which is like not being enough. Not being enough. And I think it's like beyond envy also because it's not like, oh, I just, I wish I had that. It's like, it's kind of like almost like sadder. It's like, oh, I don't have these things. And like, I'm smaller and I'm like not good enough. I'm not worthy um, enough. And it's, yeah, I'm almost like started like tearing up just thinking about this because I know it comes from this middle school part that I believe there's a 14 year old Mm -hmm. girl that lives inside of all women who is rejected at lunch, is made fun of over AOL messenger, is excluded, (laughs) is not asked to dance. Like that 14 year old lives within me. And I've try to be as kind to her as possible, but sometimes she wins. And sometimes that 14 year old will come into my head and I will feel all those things I felt in middle school again. And I'm fucking 31 years old. I have my shit in my life together. And yet I'll get these waves of insecurity and they'll come out of nowhere sometimes. And a lot of the times it is in comparison to other women and this like competitiveness. I remember being in Croatia this past summer and I was with a group Mm -hmm. of women and they were all Mm -hmm. fucking teeny. Okay. Mm -hmm. Teeny and not just Mm -hmm. tall. Cause one girl was five ten, but teeny like size 25 teeny. And they didn't have cellulite. And this one, I know. And this other girl had some plastic (laughs) surgery and she was, her body was like, (laughs) Perfect. You said it like she looked like an alien. No, well, like what kind whatever. of plastic surgery are and we I, talking about? Here? Botox? This, are we talking about plastic surgery? Like filler, bo- bo- boobs done, nose job, um, filler, just like okay, okay. Filled. So plastic surgery constitutes like three or more. Okay, so because I mean, hey, I mean, items, I've I'm got the, right. I've got Botox, and I that's whatever. Any, no, anyway, I, no, it's totally fine. No, anyway, no, I'm sitting on this boat with these women, <laughs> and. There's this moment where I feel like that 14-year-old, again, who isn't pretty enough, and I'm looking at them and feeling like I'm bigger than everybody. I'm the only one in a one-piece, and I know I'm not. I know Mm -hmm. I'm not attractive. I know all these things, but there's that thing in that moment where you feel like you're not enough, and I felt that in this episode with Carrie. And and isn't it interesting that you have a fiance and it doesn't fucking you guys matter. live together. Right, right. And that's what's really interesting about that kind of feeling, that sentiment. And is that it doesn't matter. But then what is it that they hold that you don't hold? And you know it's the belief that they are more worthy of love and they are inherently worth more. Worth more in the eyes of others, in the eyes of you. Um, And you see it with Natasha in this episode when she turns around and her clear, beautiful skin and her hair and her height and her outfit and her just ease, right? You don't get to see, this is the, this encapsulated the 
we see everyone else's highlight reel when we see our behind the scenes. 100%. Like everything Carrie is seeing is a highlight reel of her life. And so she is completely- Except it's in the flesh, right? Which is even more intense. And so she's put her on this pedestal and Carrie's just comparing her behind the scenes, her neuroses, her imperfections. Um, So why don't we um, back up real quick just to explain the scene to our listeners. Basically- uh, Carrie and Miranda are in a vintage store downtown. I don't know why I said vintage. They're in a nice, nice clothing boutique. And um, I can't remember why Carrie was in the store in the first place. Were they just kind of like for fun going to the store? Yeah, I think just a little shop. Just a little shop. Okay. And Carrie finds something she likes and she goes in behind the curtain. She's trying it on. And Miranda, meanwhile, which we can talk about later, is having a really funny sidebar conversation about her new housekeeper. Pies pies and rolling pins. Yeah, I actually cracked up when she was like, do you have a rolling pin? (laughs) Because uh, just on a side note, Miranda's housekeeper is telling her that women should make pies and she buys her a rolling pin. I love it. Miranda's like, do you have one of those? (laughs) Anyway, so while Miranda's kind of, you know, blabbing on the other side of the curtain. Sorry, my voice just cracked. um, She sees Natasha whip open her curtain and she's coming out of the dressing room while Carrie's still inside. And what's interesting is Natasha's wearing, again, a white dress. Yes. So we see her back in the white dress. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I don't think we've ever seen her not in a white dress. No, we saw her in black on the engagement party episode where she's at the plaza. And that was also another interesting juxtaposition. Oh, that's right. Because Carrie was wearing white. Carrie's in white. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we're reading into it like an English lit class, but I feel like, I don't know, it's worth, we're educated people. It's worth like, you know, thinking about those things. What was Candace Bushnell thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) and so you know think about these literary devices (laughs) um and so yeah it was interesting that she was wearing this white dress it was like kind of like a white cottony linen-y type of dress low cut neck but also still very tasteful she has her hair pulled back into a tight slicked straight pony again like Style section, Vera Wang, very put together that not even a single flyaway hair is visible. And, you know, Carrie comes out of the dressing room and when Miranda's like, oh, fuck, like shit. And Carrie comes out and she's in her like bra and panties and she's holding a dress and she's got her like wavy, wiry hair like pulled back and she's wearing her gold hoops. And um, they have a run in basically with each other in the store and immediately Natasha's like, Carrie? Carrie. Because I guess... And then... Because I guess Natasha knows her. And Carrie (laughs) just turns it on. Natasha, just the fakeness. Like, how are you? Oh, yeah, the performance. And uh, Natasha's looking to outfit herself for her Women's in the Arts fundraiser benefit luncheon. And, you know, Carrie says that she's going to that, too. She goes every year, which... We're learning is kind of like a lie, right? Complete lie. Like she she's never gone. Compl- she's not a member. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I'm like, don't lie, dude. Like, you know. Anyway, and so um, 
yeah, Carrie leaves that interaction thinking, oh my God, she's only seen me in like a cowboy hat or like I'm in my bra and underwear. She's never seen me in like a real outfit. And, um, you know, again, and then it goes back to that, that kind of like not feeling good enough, but also like just interesting, like the materialism that kind of weaves in through the episode, which is Carrie's buying clothing she can't afford and shoes that she can't afford um, outside of this tr shopping trip to show up and look great at the, you know, women's in the art luncheon. So then I thought that was also kind of an interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gil. Part in the plot. Gil, Gil, Gil. Let's talk about Gil, Gil, Gil. bridesmaid dress shopping. All right. <laughs> Oh my God, Sarah! Literally, I have that in my notes. Gilly, I, I had notes. it too. Gray minds think alike. Yeah. So, for anyone listening, <laughs> and if Heather's listening, please know how much we love you. We were so excited for this <laughs> wedding, but we got too into looking for dresses to the yes. point where it became a fucking obsession of ours in which we a would message. Job. It was a full-time job. We would message each other <laughs> floral dresses nonstop and nothing was good enough. But like, but like just you and me and there were like, what, like six other bridesmaids? Yeah, and then Gilly at one point was like, what are we doing? Like, what is happening here? This is not our wedding. And now the dresses started like escalating in prices too. At one point I was going to be like, you know what? $900, that's fine. That's fine. I got to look good. It's just like, it's like, this, this. It's like you are the maid of honor. Like, I know. And then it will be worth it. No, but, and I, I have such, I've had to talk tone down my event set centric dressing because I get into hyper focus <laughs> mode where it's like I have to have the best dress and this thing because I need to look a certain way and people are going to see me blah, blah blah and it's just crazy and then the bridesmaid dress did that I was a bridesmaid zilla with this fucking dress <laughs> but to be fair we came from we're like in a pandemic where there have been no there have been no moments to shine I know <laughs> and like it was like the only time I've dressed up in the past year aside from my other friend's wedding and then and Gilly, so, what did we end up wearing? You ended up I, wearing, okay, I, yeah, wearing a dress that's been in my closet for my mom's closet for like forty years, thirty years, and I wore that, and I've already worn it before. Yeah, and you and know it what? Has holes in it, and you looked fucking amazing, <laughs> and you looked so beautiful. It was perfect. Thank you, and sir. <laughs> the the dress that I had was a dress I just ordered on the whim, not for the wedding, because I was like, that is just not pretty enough for the wedding. And then I tried it on. Yeah. I was like, I actually love this. I feel great in it. I'm going to yeah. wear it. I wore it exactly. before the wedding. I wore it in Croatia a bunch. <laughs> so she defiled. I the know. Dress I felt before. so bad. I was like, I have deflowered this dress. I am. I am a maid of <laughs> dishonor. <laughs> but OK, my point of this is that there's this part of us, this consumeristic, capitalistic, needy. Maybe obsessive thing. compulsive. Yeah, de no, definitely obsessive compulsive. And you and I both have that. And so we we can't let the shit go. So. I was going to text you the other day and I and then say like rent the runway is the worst website for people with OCD because you <laughs> there's no like finite end to what you can look up I like know. they just keep adding more things to the website and I remember texting you like about these florals and you're like I haven't seen these yet where did they come from 
I know. I was like, where are these squirrels from? Come through the website. And then you had the thing. And then it's like the search started over. It became so obsessive (laughs) us looking for these things. And then you got into the deep, dark web of Etsy and eBay. I went on Etsy. You were going in the Etsy mode. And when you're like page seven deep on an Etsy floral midi bridesmaid dress, like you're not coming back from that hole because it's very deep. And the things you're rationalizing are just not, you know, right. And you weren't helping either. You were playing like, oh, baby. Oh, oh, that's it. That's it. No, no, I think this one's it. Well, because I'm an incredibly indecisive person. Very indecisive. And I can see potential in anything. I know exactly what I don't want, but I never know what I want. You know, (laughs) that's so smart. Like, I couldn't agree more with that statement. I know what will absolutely not suffice, but I can never pull the trigger. No, because you know what? There's like never because my problem is and this is with with OCD and what I've learned is like OCD (laughs) has worked for me in the past because it it like allows me to like click, like finish. Like when something is right, I'm like, oh, that feels so good. Check, done, (laughs) click. Check. The the thing looks right. It's in the right position that the the number that I picked from the pile was the correct number like all these crazy shit because it makes my brain satisfied making a choice when there's other choices (laughs) is so not satisfying and there's no click so you just have to accept living in that doubt and and that is rent the runway that is rent the runway and the thing is I continue to go back to rent the runway I do like it um but you're right there's just too many fucking options in this episode, we can bring it back to now Carrie let's get back here. To the show we're getting Car- I know we have so many tangents, but Carrie is now on the consumer quest that we've all been on, where it's like I'm going to find that one piece of clothing that's going to make me feel better about myself, and I'm going to put it on, and people are going to look at me, and they're going to think I'm fucking hot, and yeah. they're going to think I'm good. Am I good? Am I am I am I good? You know, it's just like it's again, it's a fourteen yes. year old inside of us that just wants to like yes. be accepted. Yes. But, so watching Carrie do this, and it was really, God, her neuroses were full out. They were, they were, and also, um, I would like to note that our Manoa Blonic chime actually comes from this episode. I don't know if you picked up on that. I like I something something. Like, we should know this, right? Oh my god, how do I not know that? She gets some Manoblonics and she sits down with Charlotte. Yes, oh, yes. God. I had a something something day at Manolo Blonic, and then she drags the chair out. And then I, and I, I think down. she said like, "Can I get your honest opinion?" And Charlotte's like, "You can't afford them." <laughs> I just love that <laughs> that you can't afford them. I need your honest opinion. You can't afford them. Can I get you something? Oh, yeah, I'll have um, that incredibly rich-looking fly. And then in that episode, I actually had a carry tracker was that part of that when... Yes, tell me. I don't need professional help. I've got you guys. Yeah, for about another 10 minutes. Charlotte's talking about her... Like, she orders the fruit cup. She's dealing with some feeling insecure about her thighs and her body. Body negativity. And, and then Carrie's response is... It, the issue's in your head. And Charlotte kind of says something. <laughs> and then Carrie's like, and now about the shoes. I was like, dude, your friend is really having some like 
has pretty intense body dysmorphia. She just ordered a fruit cup. You ordered the chocolate cake. She's feeling like shit. And all you want to do is talk about your goddamn shoes you put on credit. It's terrible. That's my carry tracker. This place has the best desserts in New York. The whole point of coming here is to splurge. I know, but that was a splurge. Fruit has a lot of carbs. Okay, is there a new zone book out or something? I hate my thighs. The problem is not your thighs, sweetie. The problem is your head. Now, about the shoes. Hey, I didn't even have one this episode, but I'm going to jump on that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, it's funny. Watch When they're at the spa, I did appreciate, though, at the spa when the girls go to the spa and, um, like, they all take off their towels and Charlotte's feeling very, like, shy and body conscious and won't take off her shower. I'm shy and body conscious, but when I'm in a fucking sauna, I'm taking that goddamn towel off. It's so hot. Yeah. And I also, like, don't care because, like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of the rite of passage at that point. Like, All right. When – at what age did you feel comfortable being naked in front of a group of women? Like, being in a locker room? That's You're, like, early on. I went to an all-girls school. <laughs> actually, no. I. That's actually funny that you say that. I was going to say, ironically – that it was when, I think in college, I think I just, like, remember I was, like, always naked yeah. at one point? Like, junior and senior year, I was naked all the time. Yeah. And, like, I'm so not that way now, and I live with my boyfriend. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just, like, You're a modest girl now. <laughs> butt-ass naked, just walking around getting coffee filters from downstairs, you know, like... You were, yeah, you were very comfortable just being topless. <laughs> I was like a borderline nudist. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, and I, I think I just must have been, like, so hungover or something where I was just like, I don't give a fuck Yeah, anymore. modesty out the door. Um, I, but the locker room, that's definitely... So that's a thing though. Yes. And I, growing up, I did swimming from a young age and oh, I would do this club swimming. Right. And so you'd have to get changed to the locker room. And I was very, a very, very shy kid. I still am in a lot of ways shy about some things, but I was very shy <laughs> about my body as a child. And like, so if my mom and I went to a dressing room, I'd be like, don't look at me, <laughs> turn around. So, and I would just be putting on like a, a sweater and I would make her turn around so she couldn't look at me change. I had a lot of just... Not wanting oh to be Oh my at. god, that's normal. Totally, yeah. totally. But in the locker room with the swimming, your I, body's changing it too, is. and it's you don't want changing. like anyone to see it, <laughs> except for you. You're like trying to understand it. You exactly. Know? So, but in swimming, you'd find all these interesting ways to get your underwear on and off, your bra <gasps> on and off. Like yes. there was all these tricks that yes. I still know. But now if I'm in the locker room, it's just like, you know, like, take it off. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I did do swimming. I went to swim camp freshman year of high school. And, like, I'm sure you, you were more of a swimmer. But, like, you had to wear two bathing suits for the weight, remember? Yes. And then when you had to – when it was, like, swim meet, you had to wear the super, super tight one. Yeah. That, like, doesn't fit. And I can't believe like we would do all these tricks. Like, your hanging out of one of the sides of it. <laughs> Yeah, so you have your your you have your swim meet suit, which is like five sizes too small, and then you have your two practice suits suits that you layer on top of each other so that like it weighs you down more, and which I don't know if that actually does anything to be honest. No. But the thing that's funny is like, imagine trying to do all of that like around all these tricks, and now I'd be like, I can't even get it off. How did we like figure out how to do it under a towel? I, like, I, I know. 
It's absolutely crazy. And it's, it's just funny thinking back to being younger and some of the things, but I, I, I also, I belonged to Equinox for a couple of years. And so one of the best parts of it are the saunas you can go into. Uh, I'm going to say this. I think there are people <laughs> who are too comfortable with their bodies. <laughs> and Sarah, I think a little would- more modesty <laughs> might do everyone good. <laughs> I was going to say there are two people in this world. <laughs> Yeah, there are the ones who carefully and somewhat modestly are at the gym locker room and they put their clothes on. (laughs) Then then there's a lady (laughs) with the saggy swing low sweet chariot. Those titties are down by your ankles. (laughs) There's the lady with the saggy boobs who is skittles for nipples. (laughs) <laughs> literally walking butt ass naked to the blow dryer to basically <laughs> lift her, her leg up to dry her pubes pretty i've seen that happen <laughs> literally forgetting something in the other room running <laughs> and like who are beyond naked who are so naked i know <laughs> and it makes me uncomfortable i am uncomfortable and I'm already like naked, but they're just kind of like doing cartwheels in the locker room. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's not the nudity, it's the actions in which what you do nude, right? Like, it's okay to be naked to change, but is it okay to walk fully naked over to like the combs, the free combs that they have, or like the hair dryer? <laughs> At that point, you should put a towel on. I, I, I think that should oh, be the or- barrier. Or to talk to, like, me, an unassuming stranger, and be like, oh, man, I hope the six train isn't packed. <laughs> like, put your skittled nipples away and don't talk about to me about this horrific six train at 7.30 in the morning, ma'am. I know. I know. That I have never... There's... Yeah, locker room as Carrie, the ladies' locker room is a is a world is a breeding ground for different naked behaviors, and <laughs> it's just I'm I definitely sway more modest than more exhibitionist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so my little sister, I don't think she listens. She probably doesn't. She, um, her and her <laughs> friends are like very comfortable with their bodies. Okay. There is a lot of body positivity, a lot of girls supporting girls. It's like a different generation. And she's five years younger. So she's not insanely younger, but she's definitely younger. She's in a different realm of the internet. And that's great. But she, yeah, they're very body positive. Whereas I think we didn't grow up with body positivity. They didn't either, but. We're still coming to terms with it, I think. Whereas I think younger kids, it's more automatic. Maybe not automatic, but so, it's, I don't know. What do you think? Here, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> as some of you guys, like, know, like, in the news recently, like, the facial, Facebook whistleblower came out. Frances Hogan, I think was her name. And she was talking about the algorithms that are super, super, like, aggressive, if not, like, almost, like, radical or extremist on some levels which is like you could be looking up a cooking recipe and then all of a sudden be getting like a lot of diet or even pro-anorexia content on instagram and how there's been like obviously an uptick of you know like uh teen depression and um 
you know, eating disorders um, and how that's really bad. So I, th I do think that there isn't necessarily a difference amongst the generations, but I do, I would say that in our teenage years, we <clears throat> never had body posi positivity. We had no. fucking low-rise jeans that went below your fucking pelvic An bone. An anorexic Paris Hilton. Yeah, on the on freaking got milk ads. You know what I mean? Like that's what we have now. There's more of this. Um, like high waisted didn't exist until we were like midway through college. Like that aesthetic, which was very like retro, didn't wasn't in when we were teens, and so like. We had the teeny tiny, like Amanda Bynes midriff type of look Ugh. and thigh gap and all of that. So I think that we, I don't know, I think we had very, very like strict and narrow body, like beauty standards then. Um, whereas now it's like you can, you can be curvier and you can like, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a little bit more acceptance aside like from that. Charlotte's body kind of. type, her body's, first off, her body's amazing. and, and, and Amazing. This, and the, that also has nothing to do with insecurity because some of the most attractive people are the most insecure, absolutely. And yeah. um, so Charlotte has a beautiful body. Her thighs, I mean, I, I whenever I see her on the show, I'm like, you have a gorgeous figure. And I think her figure now would be very in style where it's a yeah. her, like small waist. Bigger. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's your figure. Bigger butt, should we say? Like your figure is amazing. Yeah. But as my a mom says, she's like, <laughs> she's like, Sarah, no one wanted a big butt when I was growing up. That's the last thing you want. In no. the 70s, it was like flat ass. That's the last thing you want. You don't want right, a big right. butt. And now it's it's yeah. almost like a harder standard because you have to have a big butt and skinny kind of like toned tiny thighs, te teeny waist yeah. and big boobs. And this, it, it's just the, 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 the target keeps shifting for bodies. Yes. And if we keep chasing yes. the ideals that we're, we're being shown, we're just never going to be happy. Yeah. And we're going to keep buying this shit and buying things that are going to make us happier and be Carrie trying to get the new right. shoes we can't afford the new dress to feel like we're worthy of something and I know it comes from within like we all know this but it's yeah. so fucking hard to 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 practice what you preach and to to feel it sometimes oh 100%, it really is 100% I mean again like we talk about this all the time that like the media that we grew up with is like deeply ingrained in like how we think and like how we view aesthetics and beauty and <clears throat> how like narratives and how things should be. Um, and yeah. Um, but just going back to <laughs> the, the episode a little bit more, um, going back to squid games, no, just kidding. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to bring up a, um, a Samantha zinger that I had and kind of the conversation around that. I'm a trisexual. I'll try anything once. I know what it is, is, but say it. Actually, you might not. This one, Ooh. I don't know. This one creeped up on me. But basically, they're flipping through the newspaper. And, you know, the beginning of the episode, they're talking about how, like, the Sunday newspaper, Sunday Styles, goes through all the wedding and marriage announcements, which is, like, honestly, my personal nightmare. I would never want to be in, in that. So it's interesting that that was a time and, and still to this day where people want to be in that. Um but they all, they're like Miranda's sarcastically reading one, which is my Miranda sarcasm, which is like, 
It feels good to be sarcastic. Basically, like, you know, the bride did this until recently. So it's like this was her career until recently. And then I, my Samantha Zinger is, until recently, the bride had a life of her own. <laughs> <laughs> She's like making fun of the newspaper. <laughs> I that was so funny because it's so true. It's like, I mean, things have changed, but I do think in many ways, like, I personally feel like I've, like, more people have shown interest in my, like, personal life because I've had a boyfriend recently i don't know maybe that's my own oh, like yeah interesting thing that i'm over analyzing but i feel like that's i think that i don't know just the way that i interact with people especially like middle-aged people is that it's they take like, you seriously I'm not, like yeah i'm taken more seriously or i'm not viewed as like kind of like a sad kind of oh like you'll find somebody like i don't know i think i'm viewed with more dignity in a weird way and so i i, th- I thought that was kind of funny the until recently the bride had a life of her own i thought absolutely. that was really funny absolutely and i i also sometimes it really bothers me that like wedding announcements are so, or engagements are so fucking celebrated and then i see some friends who have like amazing work accomplishments and people don't they like give yeah. a shit but you don't get gifts for yeah. it you know <laughs> until recently the bride had life of her own you know who those women marry the roman numeral guys charles duffy anderson the fourth ding 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 mm. i find the higher the number the worse the sex I went out with somebody the third who couldn't even get it up. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I was super proud when I won. I was, I was honestly more excited when I won the, like the big Apple Award because it was my own accomplishment. Oh my God, right? It was such an amazing accomplishment, and I like people definitely texted me about it, but yes. there was no follow up question to that, which is fine. But when I right. got engaged, it's like when did this, did this, and people are, are more interested. Yeah, 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 and that's okay. It's fine. That's part of the the culture yeah. we live in, in which weddings, engagements, marriage is really, really important. And it's seen as a huge accomplishment. And I don't right. know, there's a part of me that I, I think women, I, I almost feel bad for some women who are, are single now in our age, because I don't feel bad for them because they're doing great. Yeah. They're fine. I feel bad for the fact that they're not seen as whole. Totally, hundred percent. You you nailed it on the head right there. Because we, which are. is that there's something missing. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I felt felt when I was single for a while. That some like as if like something was missing. Like I just felt like the way that like people communicated with me was like as if I like needed something else, and I or that I wasn't doing something right, or that I was doing things my own way, you yeah. know, and... And then people ask me, oh, are you um, dating? Are you doing this? And I catch myself doing that to some of my single friends. I'm like, why? Oh, my like, God, I, totally. Why am I doing that? That's not, like, that interesting. And, and if they want to talk about it, right. that's great. I also still identify very much as, like, a single person. I don't know why. Like, I'm engaged, 100%, living, whatever. And yet I still identify very much with that time in my life in which I was single. And so sometimes yeah. I talk about my life. As, <laughs> like I, I, re- I, I mean, I don't know. During really formative years of becoming a adult, independent, working woman, you were single. And so was I like, yeah. And I think that like, you really kind of like created like who you were and like learned about who you were. Not that you can't do that in relationships. I just think it's when you're doing it, when, when you're single, you're really doing it on your own. You are. Like, yeah. you're just, 
you really are stuck with your thoughts <laughs> and you're stuck with you're, you're stuck with a lot of loneliness you got a, a lot less distraction yeah and of i your negative thoughts <laughs> so i it, this is another great you're i'm glad you brought this up another great topic that was brought up of the idea that of people of women becoming finished and whole when they get married like that's the missing piece that some guy chose them and I like that the girls kind of shit on it and make fun of it because I don't think that was the sentiment of the time. Maybe it right. was. I don't know because that the '90s was very much the as Michael Scott, the Ally McBeal woman. <laughs> 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 Always got to do an Office reference. <laughs> <laughs> we need like an Office track every time we go. You know the modern one, the Ally McBeal woman. <laughs> Dude, I was just thinking about my favorite office quote the other day, and it just makes me laugh, which is when they're, like, trying to find a jingle to do for their video, office video, and Michael Scott's is like, I hate it. I, 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 I don't hate it. I just don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I need that on a shirt. That's amazing. Um, all right. What else are we going to get into with this episode? I say, cause we have a lot of tape on here. My lady, we, we're getting a Dunkirk level. I know we are. We are. This is a Dunkirk link. Um, I said, um, there's two other plot points, either Miranda cleaning lady or Samantha groping the masseuse. Uh, we need to talk about, I think the cleaning lady is kind of under the same conversation of like dealing with an older woman also from a different culture and, their kind of expectations of like what a woman is supposed to do. Yes. A woman is supposed to make pies. A woman is supposed to have a boyfriend is supposed to have sex with the boyfriend, not have a battery operated device. As Miranda puts it, let's get into the masseuse. Yeah. Because that's was... more fun. Samantha always felt good about herself, but after her 80 minute massage, she felt even better. Oh, I just had the most intense massage. Kevin goes down on you. Samantha's was good, but not that good. Are you serious? Yes. He's incredible. You should try. So I Okay, it's crazy when you re-watch this show because when I, rem, I I'm trying to remember when I first saw this, and I don't think it registered at that time that what Samantha did was wrong. It was like, oh, Samantha's being sexual. Because I, I don't think I understood consent when I first watched this as a teen. And I didn't see him as a victim. And I know this gets complicated because he's also performing oral sex on um, these clients. They are consenting to it. But what she did was literally reach out to a guy, grab his dick while he was professionally giving her a massage. And then... I don't know. It's a weird, because I, I don't think I thought she, it was that wrong when I first watched it. No, I agree. Um, I think even two or three years ago, it might not have felt so wrong. She like Jeffrey Epstein'd him. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, are we there yet? I, I hope to live in a world in which I can make a Jeffrey Epstein joke. <laughs> honest, I mean. Okay. <laughs> basically like he you know um the professional masseuse was she she like grabbed his package 
Since they were running out of time, Samantha decided to take the matter into her own hands. Is this okay? Apparently, it wasn't. What kind of person does such a thing? To molest a trained professional while he's trying to do his job. And had an expectation. And even she said, even even if, okay, let's just, even if she chalked it up to like making a poorly educated decision, she'd heard through the rumor mill that he like, I guess, did that to every woman. Even so, when she's like at the luncheon and complaining about it, she's like, I paid good money to be eaten out. And they're like, oh, my God, like, this is so not okay. And if a man said this, like. To flip it around. Flip it around. Oh, that girl. Yeah, you go to her. She's going to go down on you, go down on you. And then you go to him getting a massage, the girl, and him forcing her head on to him. Like, it's. And it's like, I paid good money for her to. It's like some sort of object. That behavior is so messed up. Um, But I have a funny story for you if you want to hear it. (laughs) <laughs> tell me okay tell me now. so this is probably when I was 25 and I was on vacation oddly with just my mom and my dad which never happens in my family and we were in Hawaii and I was feeling kind of down and so they booked me a massage and okay. I remember they asked oh, me on the phone like the concierge man or woman and I was single and I was like you know what Man, I'm on vacation. That's kind of sexy and fun. Right. I never, usually I always say woman because it feels more comfortable. (laughs) Anyway. So they're like, okay, got it. So I go to get this massage thinking I'm in Hawaii. I'm at this beautiful resort that I'm going to have like a really hot masseuse. And out walks a, what I can only call a geriatric masseuse. This man was somebody's grandfather, okay? He had (laughs) Velcro squeaky shoes on, like orthopedic shoes, was an old man with like somewhat soft but feeble hands. And what I thought I was going to get this like amazing massage from this like sexy Hawaiian man. No, it was like basically your grandfather massaging you. I was very uncomfortable. His shoes were squeaking every time he walked around the table. I, all of my fantasies out the fucking door. And so I don't know. I don't know when I was watching this episode, that's exactly what I thought of. Oh my God, I'm dying. I'm dying right now. I wanted a sexy masseuse. Out Um, comes old pappy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should end this episode I because I just we went down a Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell Google image. Oh God! Search. Um, all right. So, what do you? Um, a couple fashion shout outs. I'm gonna give. Oh my God! She's fashion roadkill. Oh yeah, let's do it. I loved Carrie's little tan floral dress when she was going into the dressing room. I actually thought she looked amazing in that yeah. cute little dress. Um, and I actually yeah. loved her windowpane plaid blue and white pants oh. with the burgundy paisley top. Yeah. You know, I love a pattern on pattern. I know. So I it really, was uh, funky and fun, and it was really cool. It was funky. Funky and yeah. fun. What are, you, what are you giving this episode? I had a religious experience at Manolo Blahnik. Um, After talking about it, I changed my rating. <laughs> I'm honestly should we do it at the same time I'm gonna one, one two three four three and a half 
Interesting. I wrote in my notes three in my head. I was going to do 3.5 and I lifted it at the end. I'm very influenced. <laughs> I'm very influenced by Boost. multiple factors. My mood, the weather with my ratings. I think it was a three and a half. Um, I think it, you know, created good combo, um, especially around like body and stuff like that. Um, but I think just not an... I don't know. It's hard with 30 minute episodes. I get it. You know what? I'm going 3.5. I you got me. It's a 3.5 episode. All right, guys. Well, it's a 3.5. And um we're gonna see you guys next week. What's next week's um episode? Oh my god. You know what? I'm on my phone doing this with you, so I can't look it up. So give me a little tippity tap. Let me look at I season three episode four. Wait, I know it. It's something it's about the bisexual episode. Um, boy, girl, boy, girl. Yes. I think it's dot, dot, dot is what it's called. Um, we've got a And we have another Samantha. What? Samantha's chime of ours comes in this episode, actually. Oh, absolutely. I'm a trisexual. I'll try anything. And once. we've got Alanis Morissette, an amazing cameo. Yes, we do. Isn't it oh ironic? Yeah. Wait a minute. We should, we, maybe we should have a guest on for this episode. This feels um, guest worthy. Because this talks about bisexuality. It talks about, like, the spectrum of sexuality. Um, if anyone's interested on in coming on and talking about this, um, we'd love to have you on. Absolutely. All right, Gilly. This was great. Bye, Miranda. Peace out. Peace out, Seacrest. Bye. Bye, Allie McBeals. <laughs> Bye, Allie McBeals. <laughs>